Welcome back to One Giant Podcast, coming to you on the Overtime Media Network, and as always, from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I am Adam Arnbrecht, along with Andy Makowitz, coming to you each and every week, sometimes twice a week, with all things New York football giants, and such is the case here on a Sunday morning. Andy, how are we feeling as we look ahead to this Miami matchup? Um, I'm feeling good. I'm excited for this matchup because it's against two teams around the same type of record, and uh, it should be an actually interesting game for two teams that aren't in the playoff hunt. How are you feeling, Adam? I feel good, Andy. We talked before we started recording here. The voice isn't really where I want it to be. We all know, if you're a fan of the show, I'm peak performance all the time. I do it with the, with the content I provide. I do it with the voice. And this week, uh, it's it just been difficult. So I'm sipping on tea, friend. I know uh, baby Rory is fast asleep right now. So you're, I feel like you're having a very solid morning coming into podcasting. It, it's, it's early off to a good start. So let's keep this thing rolling. Yeah, for sure. So as, as we dive in on this matchup, we will highlight that we had an opportunity to uh, speak with Jake of the Miami In the Hunt podcast. So a nice little crossover opportunity. Basically, we're doing something a little bit different where we feather in some of the things we got from him throughout this episode. And then we're going to get this bad boy out to the people here on a Sunday morn ahead of the game matchup. Coming into this one, we all know we talked about that difficult loss there, a disappointing loss, I'll say, to the Philadelphia Eagles. Eli Manning gets another start here uh, in front of the home crowd. Do you expect – let's go this, go there initially. Do you expect uh, the, the fans to turn out for this one? Do you think that it's going to be predominantly Giants fans giving Eli a nice send-off? Yeah, I, I think this is this is kind of the, the swan song. I think if the Giants were – uh, in the playoff hunt, Daniel Jones probably would have been ready to go. But uh, the, the coaching staff is, is kind of making two smart decisions all wrapped in one. One, they're allowing Eli an opportunity to start one last time for the Giants, which some Giants fans were, were hoping for. Uh, it could potentially get him to that uh, elusive 500 record overall as a starter. Uh, and secondly, there's no point in rushing back Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, he's a young rookie quarterback the last thing we need to do is rush him back in these meaningless games and have him have a more severe injury that could you know linger into the next season yeah and you know they had highlighted he'd been out of the walking boot back at practice you know back practicing uh, in Daniel Jones but I think you're right it, it just doesn't make any sense given the state of the season and given the fact that he is your young now new franchise quarterback to be forcing him back into game action at 2-11 and 11, uh, in this matchup you did highlight as well, one of the things that <clears throat> we were talking about with, with uh, Jake was in terms of the impact here, where our records stand, and going into the offseason in that draft class. So able to touch in with Jake here, and we're going to hear from him about what the Dolphins received over this past uh, season, some moves at the trade deadline. Everyone knows about Laramie Tunsil early there, also moved on from Minka Fitzpatrick. So a lot of assets on the table for them and interested to hear what uh, Jake's take was when you talk about looking ahead here and the impact of a win or a loss for either one of these teams. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's funny. We kind of go to sports to escape something like politics, but the best way I can define this at is something like politics where you have two sides. We have the tankers and the anti-tankers. Um, and I guess in the grand scheme, tanking was never really an option. You mentioned the two uh, first round picks they got from Houston. Laramie Tunsil himself said that he would have made that trade for two firsts and a second. <laughs> it just seemed kind of crazy not to do it. And, and, you know, after a trade like that, everyone was pretty concerned about the, you know, 
quote unquote tanking. And I don't ever think that was really the idea as much as it was uh, trying to clear up the uh, salary cap. And what they did too is start to find some diamonds in the rough. You look at a cornerback like Nick Needham, an undrafted guy. He didn't even make the 53-man roster, but the coaching staff kind of said to him, keep working, keep building. And those are the kind of players, you know, you want the coaching staff to be able to develop. And I think that's more important than drafting the right quarterback. I think that's more important than signing the right free agents is really having a staff that can start to develop the right guys and really build a solid franchise, not just have, you know, your top tier guys, because you reach, you know, this week, uh, uh, just to give a little hint of what the Dolphins are doing, you know, they're starting two undrafted guys at running back. And I think every team is into a situation now where we're starting guys where we didn't know who they were in the middle of September. And you want a coaching staff that can really find those guys and get the most out of them because I think injuries is something you can't avoid. Uh, and then you kind of look at a guy like Ryan Tannehill. You see what he's doing right now, and that's another situation. Well, if the Dolphins kind of brought it all back and, and kind of kept going with what they had happening, you know, under Adam Gaze in 2018, uh, they – might be a playoff team this year. I think it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities to say they're sitting at, you know, nine and five or somewhere around there right now. However, there's a lot of teams that are, have struggled this year. Uh, there are a lot of teams under 500 and you don't want to be a team that can get by against the bad teams. You want to be a team that can go out on a Thursday night and show the world, you know, how great you are. The Dolphins, I think are seven and 26 or somewhere around there in their last 33 primetime games and that kind of gives you that identity they made the playoffs in 2016 but that that too was kind of a fluky funky year so you really really are hoping with Flores and and it, that's where you kind of step away from tanking or anti-tanking it's about establishing a franchise more than it is you know setting yourself up with over a hundred million dollars in cap space it's more than setting yourself up with three first round picks it's just having that culture and that's a really polarizing word but you know that's kind of what we're grabbing on as Dolphin fans. You know what I find fascinating about this right. is you look at how the Dolphins are doing it, and uh, I think Jake illustrated that pr uh, pretty well, is they really embrace the rebuild. You know, mm -hmm. Dave Gettleman and the Giants, conversely, feel like they're rebuilding on the fly. You know, they're trying to do it while staying, com staying competitive and, um, you know, trading away valuable third-round picks uh, for Leonard Williams is, is not the way to do the full rebuild. You know, Mika Fitzpatrick has, has flourished in Pittsburgh um, for the Steelers. But, uh, you know, by the time, he, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick was going to be competitive on the Dolphins, they were going to have to pay him a massive contract. So get that first round pick, be able to do the rebuild the right way, knowing that, you know, you're not, you're not going to be competitive this year. You're building a foundation next year. It just seems like they're embracing the rebuild where the Giants still kind of sit in this no man's land to try to put some semblance of a product out on the field. Well, it's, it's fantastic that you mentioned it because as, as we provide some of the insights from Jake, that is what I was having with him, that conversation of this man comparatively to the Giants. This is what we don't do well, right? Dave Gettleman, some of these head-scratching moves, moves that you, you thought maybe made a little bit of sense in the offseason coming to fruition as being real head-scratchers as you move through the year now and not setting yourself up for success in the offseason, the upcoming draft by even now for, for Gettleman trading away some assets as we've highlighted with that Leonard Williams look, you know, inside this roster, we touched on it in that Eagles matchup or after the Eagles matchup, Janoris Jenkins has a bit of a, I'm going to call it a faux pas. And I don't mean that in a joking way. He, he makes a, a pretty big blunder on social media. Giants come out and go ahead and release him following that. Not going to go chicken or the egg here about whether or not if he was playing better 
or if the Giants were having a better season, would they have come out and released him? The bottom line is he's no longer on the roster. And as we talk about what teams have done well embracing the rebuild, finally, as we have just three games left on the season, the Giants will now go into this game against Miami with DeAndre Baker and Sam Beal at the outside corner positions and Corey Ballantyne in at the slot. So we are going to get a look effectively at rookies, including Beal, because he's finally healthy this season, across the board in our secondary. Add love to that on the back end of this defense. you got four rookies starting here for three weeks together where now at least you're going to get a look at what you have in these players. Uh, some guys having an uptick, right? Baker looking a little bit stronger. Beal's been up and down but shown some promise. And then Valentine having gotten beaten up in a few games over the year would like to see him maybe have a chance to bounce back what are your thoughts as we as we look at now this rookie crew really getting a chance to make their identity on the defensive side well I've seen people on social media first and foremost talking about Jenkins and kind of having a revisionist memory and saying that he's he's a bum and he stinks and good riddance and you know I just want to say you know early on with the Giants Jenkins did play well and he was our best corner and he did play hard and uh, I think people are forgetting uh, the first couple of years that he was a New York Giant. You know, our our overall defense has been uh, pretty lackluster this year, and uh, he got burned by Mike Evans early on in the season against Tampa. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's the right decision to make for a host of reasons that you just mentioned. I think I know that we talked about it before. Dave Gettleman at the beginning of the season was talking about how great of a leader Janoris Jenkins was. And, you know, after he makes these inappropriate social media comments, uh, they sit him down and they tell him, you have to apologize. You can't say what you said. And in his apology, he defends it and, um, you know, says that it's basically hood speak that, uh, that uh, him and, and, you know, he has growing up. And it's just one of those things where Gettleman at least made a very swift decision. And this decision makes sense for, for a host of reasons. I think we were, talking about in the offseason Jenkins potentially being traded if we could get anything for him. These last couple couple of games, you talked about it. We want to see where we are at with these young, uh, for the most part, rookies you know, in, in the secondary. And it doesn't matter if we give up 35 points in this game. It doesn't matter if they make mistakes. The question is, are they able to learn – are they able to get better? And are these going to be key pieces for next season? Yeah, and this kind of feathers across here as we'll check in again with Jake and his thoughts. This is more about Pat Shermer, but you're highlighting where we think the defensive players can go in this game and what they can show us. We've been talking so much about coaching, and I just wanted to get some of his thoughts uh, on the Giants' side of the table as we move through what we want to see from our young players underneath the coaching staff of Pat Shermer and James Betch. And, you know, there's a very interesting, I guess, spectrum in the NFL. When you look at too good to be a coordinator, but not good enough to be a head coach. And yep. I've been kind of surprised at what Shermer has done because I look, look back to those years with the Vikings where he really got the best out of everybody on that team. Uh, Case Keenum at quarterback. And it's just been kind of a surprise from someone on the outside, just how Shermer has really struggled despite uh, how many different weapons he can go to on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I think it does come down to, as when you become a head coach, there's a certain personality and ability to 
you know, divide your time. There's a lot of things to check in on as a head coach. You don't get to solely focus on one aspect of the game. And unfortunately, you'd like to say when he was in Cleveland, well, it was Cleveland. That's why he couldn't get it done. But I think this is the proof that, yes, he's probably a great offensive coordinator, and that's where he's best suited in this. And so there you go, right? Two teams that are at the bottom end of, of, of the league right now, but feeling very differently about where they're going in the offseason in the draft and about where they currently stand with their coaching staff. Do you feel like, as you said, giving up points is okay? Uh, you're not going to necessarily judge the young cornerbacks, you know, Julian Love, this defense overall, about whether or not they give up points. But are we, we're looking for silver linings, right? Some positive plays from them, some tight coverage, maybe some good communication across here. Beyond the secondary, you can include them in it as well. Going into this matchup against what I'll call, I mean, the current gunslinger of the NFL, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a guy that has any concern about letting it fly throughout, the, throughout a given game. He's going to try to make a big plays down the field. He's not worried about stat lines. Do you think that that's going to play into the positives and negatives potentially for this Giants defense? Because I think they'll have opportunities to make plays. And then obviously Fitzpatrick will keep knocking on the door of taking his shots. What I find fascinating about this matchup is exactly um, what uh, Jake was talking about was you look at the Dolphins, they score under 17 points a game, 30th in league, and they give up over 30 points a game. They give up 30.7 points a game. The Giants score more points on offense, give up less points on defense, and yet the sky is falling in New York and the needle's pointing straight up in, in Miami, which, which is just fascinating to me. And I, I do believe that, um, you know, benching Josh Rosen and putting in Ryan Fitzpatrick has kind of leveled everything out for this team. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is eighth in the league in total QBR since he came in. Um, you know, as an illustration, Daniel Jones is 20th um, as we talk today. But yeah, you know, it, it's, it really has been fascinating because the Miami Dolphins have had no run game this year. And it's highlighted by the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick will presumably end up leading the Miami Dolphins in rushing yards. Yeah. for the entire season, right? And and this isn't a Lamar Jackson in Baltimore situation where he's a top five run, running back from the quarterback position. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have about 205 rushing yards when it's all said and done. So a lot is being put on his shoulders. They traded away Laramie Tunsil, uh, and, and their offensive line is, is uh, you know, not chock full of first-round picks. So to me, it's incredible how hard they're playing and, and that – points directly back to the coaching staff you know they don't have the talent they're giving up all these points but they're staying competitive and they're winning some games yeah surprising some teams making it difficult on some some teams that maybe had some aspirations coming into this season in that you don't look at the schedule and say chalk it up for a win when you play the Dolphins I would certainly say again if you're if you were one of these teams over the last handful of weeks and now down the stretch you'd rather see the New York Giants on your schedule than the Miami Dolphins at this point uh, and, that, and that's highlighted. We'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, but it is highlighted by the uh, minus three line on this one, which is basically as Andy has taught me over the course of the season, when it comes to home or away, you know, neutral site, this would be an even heat game right now because it's at home for the Giants. That's what's moving the needle slightly in their favor in terms of giving up a couple points here. So it is going to be an even matchup. You had mentioned Fitzpatrick. Uh, the other thing that we did touch on uh, with Jake was 
that uh, that you still have Rosen on the roster. You go over to Fitzpatrick. And then what is the sense of him? The Rosen situation has both sides of the coin where the Dolphins did trade a second round pick. But I mean, you have to think about this was a guy who's drafted 10th overall. He might need two years where he doesn't play. I, when you kind of look at quarterbacks, a lot of the time they don't hit their peak until early 30s. You think of, you know, the Ben Roethlisberger's, the Eli Mannings, and, and even the Philip Rivers. You can kind of just go through that whole 2004 uh, draft class because I, I think we're right in that zone right now where they really are just starting to teeter off now. Now, um, but with Rosen, the thing about him is he's cheap. He is very, very cheap for the next two to three years, and the Dolphins can hold on to that contract and you know keep him as a third quarterback and hope and and really you know pray that something will happen there and, and he'll start to develop a little better. But either way, I think he will still be on the team. Maybe they'll try to trade him, try to get a third round pick back. But I think with what the Dolphins have, you know, the the term war chest is being thrown around as how many picks the Dolphins have, and it is a little bananas, but. I don't think they're really too concerned about trading that second for uh, Rosen. It was a it was a good risk. I liked the idea. It, it maybe isn't panning out the way we wanted. And, and, you know, who knows? I think the Dolphins are going to look at a quarterback this year. However, I think they're in the same situation where if their, their guy isn't there at four, if they're drafting, you know, a Jake Fromm too high, they don't want him that high, they're going to let him go. I think the Dolphins might try to resituate themselves, maybe move down a little bit. Um, I think everything's kind of on the table. And either way, Ryan Fitzpatrick signed through next year, and this might just be a, a crazy Dolphins fan talking. But, you know, if you get some shiny new toys, say you use two of those first, you end up with four seconds this year, or three seconds, get one for next year. You start to build this franchise. I can see a team that is led by Ryan Fitzpatrick making a run towards the playoffs. Obviously, that's not the long-term deal, and whether it's 2020 or 2021, the Dolphins are going to draft a quarterback. But... I, as a crazy Dolphin fan, could talk myself into a Fitzpatrick-led team. You know, maybe Rosen is still a fine backup. I think we saw some sparks early in the season, despite wide receivers dropping balls at an alarming rate, especially early on in the year, um, that where Fitzpatrick can be the guy to, you know, just be a glue guy for a couple of years. And I think nobody in the fan base would really hate that, despite really wanting that shiny, you know, franchise quarterback. So, you know, he offers the interesting perspective. Now, I don't know which way they'll go in the draft next year, but it seems like the things that everyone talks about when it comes to Ryan Fitzpatrick is he's a professional. Everyone in the locker room loves him. He comes in he immediately ingratiates himself. I was reading as well that he goes out to dinner. He joins the tight ends for, uh, for their dinners. He takes out the offensive line on the road for meals when they go there. So he's done a fantastic job. And Jake has some sense of, you theoretically could go into next year with Fitzpatrick still at the helm and maybe Josh Rosen continuing to learn what it is to be a professional NFL quarterback because he does have all the skills. And now it's just about whether or not he can understand what it means to be on a team and to be the leader of a franchise. So maybe the Dolphins look at that as being an opportunity uh, to not have to go that route when it comes to the draft next season. And they obviously have a myriad of options there. You don't have to go too deep on that, Andy, but you find, I mean, you find that takeaway just – I mean, I found, it, I found it interesting and not necessarily totally insane because it depends on where they fall. If they're fourth or fifth overall by the end of the season, well, then, yeah. I mean, are you really going to – you know, you're going to move up to get a, to get a Toa Effa or does it maybe make sense to stand pat for one more year? I on its surface, when they're losing all those games, you're immediately thinking they have to go quarterback. And uh, I, I, it was enlightening to me to to hear that. You know, I I think about the Dolphins and 
are they a roster that is one quarterback away from making a deep run? Or do they realize they have holes all over the field and they just need to get as much, acquire as much talent as humanly possible, right? You, you, you traded your, your bet, one of your best secondary players, Mega Fitzpatrick. You traded arguably your best offensive lineman in Laramie Tunsil. There are holes all over the field. So to have to reach for a quarterback that maybe you don't feel comfortable with, clearly they feel comfortable enough with Fitzpatrick and, and Rosen as a combination right now to say, maybe we don't have to just, just select a guy just because everyone tells us we need to. I, I found it at first. I guess I thought I was, I was a bit surprised by some of what Jake was saying, but then again, the way that we talk about it and same thing, just around the league, the sense around Miami is a lot more positive than the record might indicate. So it wasn't as alarming to hear him kind of speak pretty positively in a number of areas. And then that being said, as a true fan, he still, you know, is able to pick apart the areas where they're struggling and talk about some injury issues that they've had, along the way as well. Um, before we dive into, I want to get onto the offensive side of the ball for the Giants and some expectations in this game. Over under at 45 and a half for this one. That's pretty much been a consistent area that you can find most Giants games to be in. Before we do, though, have to, of course, mention that if you are hanging out, Andy, if you get Rory to sleep for maybe four and a half, five hours straight, and you just kind of set the, set the timer on snooze, you could hop onto Vivid Seats and grab a couple of tickets for this game and get out there to the Meadowlands to bid Eli Manning a fond farewell. Uh, I don't know if you're looking to do that. I'm sure you're more of a responsible parent. So I'm going to go ahead and let everybody know. No need, no need to make any calls. Andy will be staying home and watching his child. However, if you go and download the Vivid Seats app, you get inside there automatically enrolled on the Vivid Seats loyalty rewards program gets you credits back on every purchase you make so you get in there you find a nice little row nice section there well well view swiveling that camera around seeing exactly what you're going to get to look at as you watch the Giants take on the Miami Dolphins and if you're doing that Andy if you're doing it already you might as well go ahead when you get time to purchase there feel confident in what you're getting because they give you 100% buyer guarantee so they're always going to take care of you so you can feel confident in the tickets that you are purchasing and I've been saying it all month long. I don't have a guarantee that I'm going to get a quality Christmas meal this season because, quite frankly, some of my family members are lousy cooks. I don't know about – Andy, do you have uh, – what's the situation for you around the holidays? Do you feel comfortable in the meals that you get served? Because I'm assuming you guys aren't hosting. Uh, I, I actually host Christmas Day. And so oh, – Excuse me. Yes. Well, that, yeah, but see, that's messed up, though, because then I know that people are going to get a good meal because I've been to your home and you've prepared food for us, and it is delightful. Yeah, we have a good situation, Adam. I go to my parents for uh, the holidays, uh, you know, Christmas Eve, and they have a massive spread of food, and I've never been disappointed. So I'm in a completely different situation than you, my friend. Well, and that being the case, I think it's time for us to part ways in terms of hosting a podcast together. This feels a little bit hurtful. I'm hungry. Bottom line is, get onto Vivid Seats. Give yourself a look-see. It's not just about the NFL. They got all the, all the big tickets for NBA, any sporting events. They got the concerts that you want to go check out. Maybe even a little bit of a trip to the city for some holiday theater action. Go ahead and get on Vivid Seats. And when you check out, use promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, to receive up to $100 off on that first purchase for those new users. That is code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, to receive up to $100 off on your purchase. Offensive side of the ball, Eli Manning, right? What do we, what do we like about last week? He was 11 and 19, buck 79, two touchdowns. The, the, 
feathery touch over the top to Darius Slayton, and then it all came crashing down. Is there any reason here to have confidence in the Giants' offense for four quarters, given what we've been highlighting, Pat Shermer's inability to, to make in-game adjustments? Because, again, the Eagles didn't have a strong secondary, but they figured it out in the second half and shut us down. So, you know, what are you anticipating in this game? I know a lot of people are kind of pointing in the direction of, of Saquon Barkley and maybe him having a huge performance today. Yeah, there are definite signs that this team can put up points today. And it's more about the, uh, the struggles on the defensive side of the ball that the Dolphins have had. They give up almost 31 points a game. So if there was ever a get-right opportunity or if there, were, if there was ever a chance for this offense to be able to consistently move the ball and put up points, it's going to be against a, a Dolphins defense that just doesn't have the talent that it needs to. So mm-hmm. I'm, I've, I've been going back and forth on this. You know, it's, it's a struggle to really project this right now because while the Dolphins defense has been very porous this year, if you look at the Giants' last five games, they've only scored over 20 points once, and that was uh, you know, against the Jets in a de facto home game. Yeah, and that's the hard part, right? Because you look at these stat lines and you think, oh, bad defense. You, you automatically want to chalk up bigger offense for your team. But the Giants have proven week in and week out that it seems like it's not about who we're playing. It's about us and our ability or inability to be effective consistently throughout four quarters. And, and the coaching piece of this, I cannot beat the drum heavy enough on it because it just feels like uh, the fact that you have 180 yards of passing in the first half and then you throw for what ended up being uh, 24 in, in the second half total. You had 17 points in the first half. You had zero over two-plus quarters with the overtime game there against the, uh, the Eagles. And certainly, both these teams, when you look at the rushing yards that they give up on the season, they're both doing a, quote, strong job. But when you look at the passing numbers they give up, that's really why that thing balances out because opposition doesn't need to worry about running and running the ball necessarily. And that was highlighted last week. You know, we were talking about these cornerbacks and getting a chance to have a look at them. One of the concerns you have to have is a couple wide receivers coming back healthy for Miami here, Devontae Parker being one of them, and now a chance to go up against this secondary who against three wide wide receiver sets made up of three tight ends and four wide receiver sets, excuse me, had success, you know, really giving up big plays if you were the Eagles. So I don't know what to expect. I want to see Saquon Barkley have a big game. And yet, as everyone knows, Adam Armbrecht does not like Nate Soldier. And this offensive line play is what dictates that, right? I mean, Barkley can't outrun everyone. So I don't know. It's 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 such a terrible combination, right? The offensive line hasn't played well. So you can't expect Saquon Barkley to take over a game. And even though you should be able to scheme him into space, we don't have a coach that knows how to do that either. So that means you're basically taking away a weapon for the uh, the opposing defense. And then the the passing game, I still think the Giants can have some success here against this secondary. I will be curious to see, you know, you saw Slayton have such a big, hit there against the Eagles, but there wasn't a lot from Golden Tate. There wasn't a lot from Sterling Shepard. Were you surprised by that at all, at least in the first half of last week's game? And do you expect it to change this week? Well, you know, Slayton had those two big grabs, which accounted for a good chunk of Eli Manning's passing yards in the first half. And I think, I think, you know, you look at the second half, Slayton had already put up 
his numbers on the day, basically. So regardless he of what he, he didn't have any more stats in the second half. Right, right, exactly. So when you look at his stat line, you think, oh, he had a really, really good game. Yes, but he actually had an extraordinary half. Um, I think it, it kind of points to the play calling and defensive changes that the Eagles had made. You know, we talked about it um, at length in terms of, of the in-game adjustments that uh, someone like Peterson can make. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it wasn't surprising to me that everyone was was that quiet because the entire offense was that quiet in the second half, not necessarily uh, just the wide receiver. So I am looking for this to be one of those games where we don't get conservative. We try to adjust to some of the defensive changes that they may may make. And, you know, they, they were trying to get aggressive last week, you know, on the on the different plays, like like the flea flicker that they attempted that was oh my God, just inches away that. from being a, an amazing play, despite what, what, uh, what the analysts and announcers were saying during the game. And I think those are the types of risks that we need to, to take. And, um, you know, if we lose this game, then so be it. But certainly we need to be as creative as we could be to get the ball into the hands of some of our playmakers on the outside. But touching inside that stat line, Sterling Shepard had four catches in this one. This makes a couple of weeks now for him getting a number of catches, but 28 yards, you know, these weird kind of small numbers for him, not finding him a lot of space. And then Golden Tate, one for just 11. So I think you're right, though. It isn't necessarily something that you expected to break out differently. And then from a Darius Slayton perspective, those big catches obviously had his stat line. Uh, listen, I'm at the point where I think we know what we want to do here. We're going to open it up to some other games around the NFL as well. Do you want to save our picks in this particular matchup till the end, or do you want to go big picture first? Which direction do you want to take this, Andy? I would love for you to kick things off with your prediction for the Giants game so we can keep things consistent, give the, the listeners what they want, and then we'll give them the bonus little treats at the end, like little, little uh, presents underneath the Christmas tree. Oh, that's nice. That's nice, Andy. You need to have some feel-good moments, and I think Sunday offers an outstanding opportunity for Eli to re- not only to return to 500, but Barkley to really show, you know, hey, I am still one of the best running backs in the league despite being on a bad team. I think you're going to have a couple guys on defense where you're going to be able to come onto the pod uh, Monday, Tuesday, something like that, and say you're excited. We found some guy who is going to have a little spark, who is really going to make a play. We've had people like Stephen Parker come in and really be able to, you know, just kind of show up. You don't know who Stephen Parker is. He's an undrafted cornerback. You know, Nick Needham, the guy I mentioned earlier, is the same thing. And that's kind of what you're hoping for as a Giants fan. I think that three-and-a-half-point spread is a little scary. I can see it being, you know, a 17-14 game. But, you know, I can see guys on both sides of the ball really stepping up. I think Eli has a solid game. Uh, Maybe, you know, he had a great first half against Eagles. Maybe his, you know, overall game is around that, but it's a little more consistent, if that makes a little sense. So what I think here is that the Giants are going to be able to win this game. I mean, and, you know, according to draft pick, I kind of do hope they win this game (laughs) at this point. But um, I think you can really look at this game at that 46-point over-under. I bet the, the Dolphins, I think they were getting three and a half, maybe maybe a four and a half, something like that. And it was another 48 point over under. And I bet the under and the Dolphins and ended up cashing on that one. And I think that 46 over under is a very scary because I think we're a Barkley 90 yard run away from that being blown out of the water. I think there's that possibility. Do you want to go ahead and put it all on the line and give your prediction for this game? Yeah, why not? And, and I'll preface it by saying, you know, 46 and a half points is a lot. 
Um, yeah. It doesn't seem like it when you scroll through, but when you look at two teams that, you know, no offense again, where they're a little sluggish at times, I think you're going to be looking at a maybe a 24-14, maybe even a 24-10. I'm going to go probably the Giants. I, I'm going to even knock that up a little bit. Probably a uh, three field goals, probably a 24-17 type game for the Giants. And that was one last check-in there with Jake from the In the Hunt podcast giving his take on Sunday and, and predicting a, a Giants victory. Now we dive in to Adam's delightful thoughts around this matchup. This is, the, this is one game where I do think you want to take the over probably because I think both teams are going to move the ball offensively. From a defensive perspective, I think you're going to have opportunities. And because it's Fitzpatrick, I think you, you will have a chance maybe for one of these young players. Maybe DeAndre Baker is able to come up with an interception here or a Julian Love on the back end. So I think you'll have some chances to make some plays, and that's going to impact the game. I want to see Saquon have a solid performance here and maybe break out a little bit. It obviously is going to depend on how well the offensive line can protect him and Eli Manning. Um, and it's a mixed bag in terms of what I think we're going to get in, in Eli's farewell performance here. I, uh, I'm going to go against my, my better judgment here because I, I, last week I called for the Giants to lose, and I thought that they would. Uh, I'm really on a coin flip here, but I'm going to call for a Giants victory. I, I think that this is the kind of game at home, Eli Manning, this, this really does feel like the final game of his career, especially as a New York football giant. So I'm going to say that the Giants take this one and they take it from doing the over 27-23. New York football Giants get the victory here uh, for Eli Manning in a, in a classy send-off at home. Adam, it's interesting because I have been thinking about this too. There's kind of this, uh, this quadrant that I'm envisioning. And it's like one quadrant has like Giants win big. And then the other quadrant says, uh, Dolphins win big. Then it's like Giants oh, yeah. win close or the Dolphins win close. And I kind of went back and forth on this and I just keep going back to a couple of key stats. And, and, and one is that the Giants just don't put up that many points. Uh, that's that's kind of the, the first easy one. The second one is, you know, the Dolphins have been competitive and moved the ball down the field. And, and you know, they, they put up seven field goals against the Jets, which uh, at least showed that they were moving the ball down the field consistently. They put up 37 against the Eagles in the game before that. At Cleveland, they put up 24 points. And then, uh, you know, a home loss to the Bills, they, they put up 20. So they're putting up m more points than, than the Giants are, considering the Giants have only gone over 20 once in the last five games. So yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's a challenge uh, for me because as, as a Giant fan, I want to see them do well and win when I look at how hard the Dolphins are playing and I look at the, the type of football that Fitzpatrick's playing right now, it, it's tough for me to uh, in, envision them not being competitive and keeping this game close. So I am I'm kind of circling the wagon uh, a little bit and I've, I've gone back and forth, um, but I want to beat you in the season series. So, oh, see, now that's just no. See that, that that's that's total nonsense, my friend. Wow, doesn't go with his heart. He just plays for a petty season victory. Fine, now go ahead, give your stat line. Come on. I am going to go with a Miami Dolphins win, mm -hmm. and I am going to say that it is going to be twenty-eight twenty-four Miami Dolphins victory. I can't knock. I mean, like I said, the stat line I think could easily be. The flip-flop, even of what I said, 27-23 Miami Dolphins win, right? So I get where you're coming from. 
I, I don't like the fact that you have just no soul to you and you're willing to sell yourself like that just for a season series victory, which by the way, I'm going to come out on top because Eli Manning is going to come out and give the Giants a W in this one. I'm just going, I'm, I'm just going for that little nostalgia pick. So I don't know why I'm beating you up for using sound logic uh, and taking the Dolphins over the Giants in this one. Uh, as we did last week as well, let's go big picture here. Look around the NFL. I, I, we all know it. Everyone's been talking about it, dominating you in, in the, in the you know, league series as we broadened our scope here a little bit. So I understand why you need to win the Giants season series because you're not standing a chance against me in this other department. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me, what, what's the first game that you want to put on your ledger this weekend and give yourself a, a – quote lock i was going to just make the the quote symbol with my hands but i realized it's a podcast adam i've got it i've got the festivus pick of the day Mm. it is the oakland raiders at home against the jacksonville jaguars if last week was any indication the jacksonville jaguars have mailed in the season um you know they're starting Gardner Minshew. they signed nick Foles to that big lucrative contract in the offseason they gave up against the San Diego Chargers, uh, San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers. That's right. How dare you um, uh, And so they look like a team that has no direction, no one steering the ship right now. And they're going cross country to a competitive Oakland team that uh, has surprised some people with, with how well yeah. they've played. They need this win. Uh, and I think this is a game where it could get out of hand pretty quickly. The spread is minus seven. I'm laying the touchdown, and I think Oakland wins this by two touchdowns easily. Yeah, you've seen that Seattle team. Uh, sorry, Seattle team. You've seen that Jacksonville team just be a sieve defensively, right? Oh. I mean, what a what a fall from grace for, for that unit, right? The reason why I had that little slip of the tongue there talking about uh, the Seattle Seahawks is because I look at that game uh, going up against the Carolina Panthers as being one Seattle coming off a bit of a I'll say embarrassing loss there at the hands of the LA Rams. Uh, I think that they're going to look to get themselves back right here. And as far as their season goes and getting themselves in the proper position for playoff contention and seeding goes, this is a big game for Seattle. So I think you see them come out with a, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder here. And again, a team in Carolina that has muddled in and around over the course of the season, that 500 line of times. But I just don't think that they are a unit that has enough on either side of the ball, really, to stop Seattle. So if you want my selection there, we took a look inside those numbers. This is Seattle giving six and a half. The over-unders at 49. So expectations are for some points to get scored in this one. But again, I would trend on the side of, of, of Seattle winning this one, going away a little bit by by 10, 14 points by the time it's all said and done here. So that's a, that's a one o'clock game that you can have one eye on while you're watching the New York Giants play there. So I'm going to put that lock in there uh, on the Seahawks. Thoughts, Andy? You want to? Yeah, I was, I was talking to a, a Seahawk friend that said this game scares him going cross country to, to Carolina. Mm. I think that's just a, a, an avid fan who is just hoping to get a win. Um, but yeah, you could very easily see Seattle kind of having this as a get right game after Carolina kind of got embarrassed in, in Atlanta last week, they're not really playing for much. So I, I don't mind the pick. I don't hate it. Um, and as always, we kind of go towards a third game and it's ahead. Yes. And I, and I have an interesting one that I think, uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on. We've got the, Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, and they're heading to Pittsburgh for a matchup with the Steelers. The spread is Buffalo plus one. Wow. Talk to me about your thoughts on this one. 
Boy, this is a tough one, right? Solid defense. Mike Tomlin has done a phenomenal job in this one. The over-under at 37, so low-scoring affair. Boy, th this is a difficult game to, to pick because uh, Pittsburgh, by all accounts, has done so much more than anyone would have expected after getting rid of so many players, moving on from the big names, quote-unquote. Roethlisberger goes down. They've got a duck under center. I mean, I don't even know how this guy throws the ball. He's all wings and webbed feet, so – it's been impressive to see what they've been able to do there. Eight and five record on the season. Uh, Buffalo on the other side of things at nine and four is right there. Possibly still with an opportunity to buy for the division title and dethrone the New England Patriots. Man, I'm leaning towards Buffalo here, and I think it's probably a mistake, but I, I, I'm leaning towards the Buffalo Bills, again, getting what is a big win for them and a big point in their season. Yeah, I, I I could have kind of gone either way in this one. I'm glad that you you took Buffalo because uh, my my mind is telling me that Pittsburgh at home playing competitive football with Doc Hodges under center. I I, I like the Steelers today. I I think it's it's funny. I, I when I think of the Steelers, I think oh well they're get, they were getting shredded on the defensive side of the ball. There's no Ben Roethlisberger. There's no uh, Le'Veon Bell, there's no Antonio Brown, and yet here they are, eight and five. Mega Fitzpatrick uh, is is probably a top ten candidate for Defensive Player of the Year um, with his five interceptions. So give me the Pittsburgh Steelers. The crowd is probably going to be nuts today mm -hmm. at Heinz Field. So uh, interesting one, and uh, I'm I'm hoping that that's going to be a, a get right game for me in terms of these picks. So. Well, and by the way, just to highlight it here and build myself up a little bit, you know, three straight wins for the Pittsburgh Steelers coming at Arizona, home for what has been a disastrous Browns team, and at Cle and uh, and at the, at the Bengals. So, just to round some things out here, you know, th this is a team in the Steelers that has that has gotten wins, but they're getting against some some sloppy competition. They have some quality wins over the course of the season, but I was just looking back inside that record. Two wins against the Bengals. They beat the L.A. Chargers, who were obviously a bit of a, a disaster this year. The Rams a handful of weeks ago uh, when the Rams were struggling. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm pumping myself up. Don't worry about me, friends. Bottom <laughs> line is we've got uh, Andy Makowitz riding the Dolphins to a 28-24 victory today against the New York football Giants. I'll be taking Giants, sending Eli out right, 27-23. As we just highlighted, head-to-head -head competition. I take the Bills on the road, and Andy will have the hometown Steelers. And then Andy calling for a nice performance from the Oakland Raiders there as I look for Seattle to travel cross-country against the grain here, looking for that win against the Carolina Panthers as they try to get right and make that playoff push that we all know <clears> – <throat> that we all know they can do beyond that Andy uh what a fun little Sunday right everyone can just kind of sit back get your favorite beverage lined up for you your snacks your chips your fiddles your fats and just kind of uh soak it in I am looking forward to this Sunday it, it's it's funny you know with the Giants eliminated from playoff contention like we talked about before all I want to do is just see Eli Manning toss the pigskin around one more time Yep. That nostalgia is kicking in, my friend. So, uh, I, you know, we saw it for two quarters against the Eagles. I'm hoping for for it for four quarters against the Dolphins. Uh, you know, and as always, you can't spell elite without Eli. Well, that's just lovely. For maybe one of the last times, friends, a little bit of uh, enunciation, pronunciation, and spelling. 
from yours truly, Andy Makowitz. As we always say, get on that social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We will be active during the game at One Giant Podcast. You can also head over to iTunes or wherever you download because that's the only way you're hearing this episode is if you go download and listen to it somewhere. Get the auto downloads going. Rate, review, subscribe to us. Help us grow this little engine that could, the One Giant Podcast. We will be back in uh, probably early in the week here reviewing this game action and seeing how we feel, resetting the table for the draft order, and if it's had any impact on us there as well. But by and large, friends, if you're a New York football Giants fan, big blue fan, let's go ahead and watch Eli Manning go out there one last time. Clap your hands, yell at your teammates. Enjoy yourselves this Sunday. We'll be back with you soon, talking all things New York football Giants on one giant podcast.